I'm Nisha Zachary, and this is The Zigzag Leap, brought to you by Permission to Leap. We all know that life doesn't happen in a straight line, so how do you overcome your past and possibly current circumstances to live the life you were created for? Stick around to hear our guest answers that will lend you some courage to give yourself permission to leap, no matter how twisted the path may be. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Zigzag Leap. Today, I am talking to transformational coach Lisa Sabaniak. She is a survivor of abuse who helps people get out of their own way and take their life to the next level. So, Lisa, can you tell us like how you got here, like where you are right now? Yeah, I'm. Uh... Where I am right now, where I am right now is like, it feels like I'm talking about a totally different person when I talk about the abuse and what I went through in my teens and being suicidal and everything that led me onto Mm -hmm. my path seems like that literally was a lifetime ago and a totally different person. Like I have transcended that. My story is not one of an abuse victim anymore. But man, if you would have told me that when I was 15 or 16 years old, even 25 years old, I don't even know what I would have done with that information. My whole life revolved around being the victim of this abuse. Um, And I think rightly so at that time, right? When you go through, you know, from the age of two to 12, being abused in in many different ways, I think that's valid to to have that kind of encompass your life. But um, yeah, I went through a, a period of time where I was I was deeply suicidal, and I really I, I was I really was a victim, right? I was really looking at my my world around me as the world was against me, me against the world, and the world was winning, right? I wasn't coming anywhere close yeah. to winning. Um, <laughs> nobody loved me. Nobody was ever going to love me, right? Everybody was stabbing me in the back, and all the drama that I created in my life. Um, and now, of course, I, I look back and I can realize with with grace that, well, I was creating that drama because that's what I had learned to do in order to get attention. And it didn't matter that that was negative attention. It was attention. It showed that I was valid, that people cared about me or thought about me or anything about me at all. Mm-hmm. And that was just a habit that I had created for myself and then it just perpetuated itself, right? So right. now... You know, I live a a very, very different life where I am just so aware of me. Like I'm aware of my thoughts. I'm aware of what drives me, why I make the decisions that I make. I'm so empowered now that sometimes I have to bring myself back down to earth, if that makes sense, to be like, okay, you need to be like a normal person now for a little, for a little bit, right? But you know, I, sometimes I don't understand how other people don't have this same kind of awareness. And those are the days that I have to sit back and remind myself what that was like to be that suicidal 18-year-old girl who really wanted everything to end because I was in so much pain, right? Right. So how do you get from that suicidal 18-year-old girl to this woman who is like so empowered that she almost doesn't remember that suicidal 18 year old like how do you that's like so so different so such opposite ends of the spectrum yeah uh i think the biggest advice that i would have is to listen right somewhere deep down inside of you 
you mm-hmm. know that you deserve better than this. You know that there is better than this. And that little part of you that says you don't want the life to end, you want your pain to end. Those are two different things, right? Yeah. Listen to that voice. And when that voice starts to share that change needs to happen, listen. And when you start getting opportunities presented to you to recognize the things that aren't working in your life, listen. When the opportunities come to show you, look, this you can go down this path. You can do this work. You can take this person up on their offer to help. You can, whatever it is that's coming up, there are always opportunities that that deep-seated part of yourself is trying to show you trying to present to you, trying to give you that lifeline. So listen. Okay. So when you're listening, how do you convince yourself that you know what you're hearing after you've doubted yourself for so long? Because most people, when they're in that space of that 18 year old girl that you were talking about, um, it's, you're at the point where you're like at your wits end. So anything you hear is, suspect in your eyes ears however you want to put it you know what I mean so how do you get the strength to or the wisdom discernment whatever it is to to listen to that voice and then start taking those action steps to follow I think what it is there is really allowing yourself to come to terms with what you have been doing isn't working so whether you're right or wrong on making these different choices to make a change or, you know, to listen to yourself, if you can make it through what you've been through, whatever that is, you can make it through this decision being wrong, if it is wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But if you don't take that chance, then you have one guarantee. And that is, this is what life is going to be like. Right. What it is like right now is what it's going to continue to be like if you don't make some changes, if you don't start to try to trust yourself, if you don't try to not step outside of your comfort zone, because if you're in that space, that is way too scary. But just start looking for where the edge of the comfort zone is. Right. Where does it even lie? Right. Starting to look at yourself and and shift your perspective a little bit. Right. Is there any part of what is going on with how you feel about yourself is that at all possible that there's an opportunity there for you to see it differently Mm -hmm. so instead of you being victimized by what had happened and you being powerless helpless hopeless worthless all of those is it possible that you could actually find your worth and your value because of what happened, because you're in charge now. Right? That, that, that was my biggest thing when I was about 20 years old is when I realized, oh my God, my abuser's not been in my life for eight years. I keep blaming him, right? Everything that was going on in my life, the guys cheating on me, you know, friendships breaking up, like all of these things that were going on in my life. And I was like, well, you know, blame, blame, blame. And then all of a sudden it was just like, well, wait a second. (laughs) He's literally not here, not in here for almost the same amount of time as the abuse went on. So who's actually to blame? Who's the one that keeps me there? Who is adamant that that's where I need to live? Me. Why then am I so adamant that the person who 
did all of those things who I don't trust, don't respect, don't love. Why does he have to be right? Why, what, like, when did that happen? Like, right? Why? Right. Wait a second. Why am I putting so much value into that person's thoughts about me? Why did the way he treated me, one person in my whole life, why does it matter how he treated me and everybody else doesn't matter? And then as soon as that question is asked, then you start to sit back and go, well, yeah, wait a second. There was my mom showed me great love and still does great support. Mm-hmm. Friends, you know, me talking about all oh, these friendships would break up and all oh, these, you know, guys would cheat on me. But there were also people that were there and stayed there. No matter what I did, no matter what crazy drama I was producing, they were still there. They didn't even know my story. They didn't know why I was doing any of this, but they just knew that they loved me and that they were they would hang tight through thick and thin. Why was I not looking at that? Why was I not appreciating that and counting that towards my value? But is it possible I was wrong? Is it possible that my thoughts about what this one person on the whole planet thought of me was wrong? Well, that's awesome. Okay, so (laughs) given this new clarity that you have, like by asking this question, um, I have to wonder, what is your definition of permission? Ah, for me, permission is acceptance or more accurately the absence of resistance so for me i accept what is happening right now in this moment of my life and i also go back and i accept all the other moments of my life and where i was and what tools i had in my bag of tricks and how i coped and what i did the good the bad the ugly i accept it because any amount of resistance, oh, I wish I didn't do that, oh, I wish I could have done. There's no amount of that that's going to change that. By allowing myself to release that resistance and accept what was and what is, I give myself permission to be who I am. I love that. And I like the fact that you've decided that you're going to just be this person rather than, you know, waiting for somebody else to allow you to do all of these different things. Yeah. <laughs> Just decided, okay, this is who I'm going to be. Yeah. So how do you know if you're in your own way? Mm-hmm. I think for me, what I have learned, I mean, I didn't realize this, you know, through many of those years going through, but what I've learned over, over the last decade, I'd say is to listen to your body, and listen to your emotions. I'm a big believer that we should allow ourselves to feel all of the emotions, right? Society deems these negative emotions that we're supposed to just kind of tuck away and pretend we don't have. And I think that we deserve to allow ourselves to feel all of them. And when we notice that we are feeling an emotion that is not where we want to be, that's a really great indicator that we are not where we want to be. Right. Right. When our body is expressing pain or, you know, being sluggish or maybe getting ill on a regular basis or things like that. Mm-hmm. Also a sign energetically, I feel that we're not where we want to be. And right. if we're not where we want to be, 
we're the only reason why there could be lots of other people that are involved in making decisions and whatnot. You know, you're going for a job promotion and somebody else has to make that decision. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, we have no control over anybody else. You only have control over you. So regardless of what other decisions other people might be making that might be impacting you, if you are not where you want to be, this is where you look right? in the mirror at yourself and so exactly. what are the signs to you that things are not quite in alignment, your body and your emotions? For me, that's a huge thing. So like when I'm doing my yoga poses, one of the first things, like I'll stop in the middle of the day and I'll do like a tree pose. And if my tree starts wobbling, it's like, okay, I am out of balance somewhere because your yes. body is going to tell you like whether you're okay or if, if there's some something out of alignment you'll know in your body before anybody ever tells you or confirms it or anything like that so i totally agree absolutely um i have a question for you because you pop um you posted something on instagram um about toxic positivity oh and yeah this is one that i like i really need you to like clarify because <laughs> you know when people are thinking, okay, I'm going to get out of my own way. So I'm going to be this positive person and I'm going to, you know, do all of these things. It's, it can almost come across as a false yep. positivity. And can you explain what toxic positivity is? And then we'll go from there. Yeah, it really is a false positivity, right? It, it's the idea that you're not allowing yourself to actually feel and express all of the emotions, mm -hmm. but rather you're picking and choosing and being like, oh, well, people will like me or I'll feel better or I'll, I'll know I'm moving in the right direction if I'm happy, happy. And so anything else that's not happy, happy, happy is just like, oh, no, that's fine. Right. You know, and you you literally mask over the sky falling in your world for whatever is going on. Be like, everything's fine. Right. That is not being, you know, emotionally intelligent, really. That is literally blocking what you are feeling because you assume that you're supposed to be feeling another way, which means you're judging yourself against others again. Mm -hmm. right? So yes, I do understand, you know, I went through this phase myself as well, because I was a very, very negative person. And then I had to learn to become positive. And so in that, there were definitely times where I would have been toxically positive. But the key is awareness, mm -hmm. right? Bringing awareness to it. Again, allowing yourself the grace to feel how it is that you feel in that moment. And then realizing, all right, there's something that's going on that is not fabulous in my life. I'm going to allow myself to acknowledge the fact that this makes me feel crappy, <laughs> whatever it is, right? But I'm going to choose to look for something positive in this experience. Now, it doesn't have to be something, you know, there might not be an actual gold nugget in there that you're going to find, but perhaps it's something like, you know what, this actually highlights an area of my healing that I didn't even realize was still there. You know, you get triggered by something, for example, right? And be like, okay, I'm going to allow myself to feel those emotions. And then rather than chastising myself about it or putting on a mask and this big smile that is really fake... I'm actually going to go looking for something positive here. And by looking for it, you're expecting to find it. 
right? Those two things go hand in hand, which means that you can see an opportunity exists in this situation that is not lovely to experience. So you can acknowledge that it's not lovely. You can be looking and expecting to find something that is more positive. And mm -hmm. just in that action, you find that you have a positive outlook because you're actually looking for, well, what lesson can I learn here? Or what, how can I grow or heal? Or what is this highlighting in my own life? Or, you know, whatever it is, it doesn't even have to be something major, something mm -hmm. just little, it's totally fine. So it's about changing your perception of your world, of what's happening in your world, in you and your place in your own world. And I think that's the thing. It's like we don't take stock of where we fit into this world that we have created. And if we don't fit into this, this picture of the world that we have created, then we try to adjust ourselves yeah. to fit into that world rather than adjust our perspective of the world. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Two people watching this interview mm -hmm. are going to walk away with two different takeaways from it. They watch the same two people at the same time saying the same stuff, right? And they're exactly. both going to hear what is right for them to hear based on the construct of the world that they have around them, right? Yes. If they're in a negative place because they're feeling victimized and right, they've gone through difficult times and that's still really quite fresh for them, they're mm -hmm. going to hear all of this in a completely different way than somebody who has said, you know what, I don't want this to be the rest of my life. I'm the only one that can change it. I'm going to take my power back. Those people over there do not have the right to take my power. I'm going to take it back. I don't exactly know what I'm going to do, but I've made that decision at least. Right which is very empowering, they're going to exactly. hear something completely different out of this interview, right? And that's the thing about these zigzag leaps. Depending on where you are, you can watch the same thing on each twist and turn, and you'll mm -hmm. get new information that can keep you going. So it's like yeah. reading your book. Um, we were talking before about you know the story at the beginning versus the story at the end, or like the transformation part of the, of the book. And it's like, you know, that there has to be a transformation. Otherwise, there wouldn't be a book. But if you stop at just the story, so if you haven't decided to do the healing, if you haven't decided to do the work and change your perspective, then you don't get to the second part of the book. You're stuck in the yeah. beginning all the time. It's a perpetual cycle of um, like frustration and blame and shame and all of these things. And you never release yourself to the second part of the book. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. When people come to you, mm -hmm. what do you want them to get out of the experience of working with you? I want them to find that love of themselves that's deep down in there, that acceptance, that respect for themselves, right? I want them to feel the love that is inherent in all of us. Our It's our divine birthright to feel that love of ourselves that's what we're going after here i like that that you said it's a divine birthright mm -hmm. um because i don't think a lot of people feel like that because you know your story is not a singular story unfortunately no. No. um and so i don't think a lot of people feel that is a birthright i feel like they may feel like it's something that they have to earn or something that you know they have to they have to do something in order to get that as opposed to you were born simply for love. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What do you wish you had known 
at the beginning of your journey? Uh, I wish that I would have known the one thing that really changed everything, which is that my abuse was not about me. That would be very helpful to know. <laughs> yeah. When, when you figure <laughs> that out, why does that make such a difference? And how do you, how do you actually accept that it wasn't about you? For me, I think it was the realization that other people had gone through different experiences of abuse that I wasn't the only person in the world. And, and I know that that sounds ridiculous. That it's not like I really thought that I was the only person on the whole planet that had experienced abuse. But, you know, when you're young and, and in your teens, the world does seem to revolve around you. And Definitely. nobody else was talking about, you know, none of my friends, these, these people were my whole world, right? Nobody else was talking about this. So I felt like I was the only one. And that must mean that there was something wrong with me, right? This was yeah. done because of what I was saying or wearing or doing or, you know, whatever. And so, you know, realizing that actually, if you took me out of it, he would have done the same thing to somebody else, that it wasn't about me. This was about him meeting a need within himself. I just happened to be there in that space. And the driving factor for me to make that realization for myself was realizing I'm not the center of everybody else's story, which means I wasn't the center of his story, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that is a very good point. You mm -hmm. are not the center. And I think that's a hard thing, like, especially as a teenager, when yeah. you are 15, 16, just knowing that you're not the center of somebody else's universe. I think it's very hard to see outside of yourself when your body and your mind are going through all of those changes. And as you're going through those changes, it's being damaged by the outside world in more than just like the normal course of puberty and growing up. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, on top of that, like, you know, I did have a very loving mom. I, I still do, right? I still do have a very loving mom. But my mom literally did put everything aside so that my needs could be met, right? She she had, she was a single parent, right? She had single income. She had to put money aside. She had to sacrifice so that I could have dancing lessons and acting lessons and, you know, play the organ of all instruments, like, <laughs> right? Like whatever, whatever I wanted to do, right. she made happen. And so, of course, when you're that age, you don't see all the sacrifices being made. You don't see, you know, you don't understand the connection between a, a parent and their child and whatnot. Right. And so it literally was, well, I ask, I receive, right? So I am the center of her world. Well, yep. he, my abuser was my other parent, my stepfather at that time. Mm -hmm. So if I'm, if I was the center of her world, well, then obviously I was the center of his world, right? Like that's a yes. given. Yes. Right. And it's not until you start to get older that you can realize, oh, wait a second. All of these other important people in my life are important to me. I love them. I cherish them. But I'm the only one that's at the center of my world. Let's face it. Right. Mm -hmm. Which means no matter how much they love and care for me, I am not the center of their world either. And same thing with exactly. my mom. Right. I mean, if I'm sure if you ask any mother out there to be like, oh, no, no, my kid is the center of my world, but they're not. You are the center of your world. And so coming to realize, well, wait a second, <laughs> I'm not the prominent feature here, <laughs> which means it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't what I was wearing, what I was saying, what I was right. doing. It didn't have anything to do with that. You literally just take me out and put me in. If he hadn't met my mom, 
he would have met somebody else. And if they would have had kids, he would have done the same thing. It was opportunity, not Lisa Savaniak. Wow. So what are you glad you didn't know? Oh, that's a real big one, isn't it? What am I glad I didn't know? I think, you know, now looking back, I'm glad that I didn't know how long it was going to take me. Because yeah. for me, when I started this work, it was before the internet. <laughs> right? I was in my 20s. I had books. That was it. Yeah. Uh, the only type of therapy that anybody knew anything about was going to traditional therapy and sitting there and talking about it. Well, I was in denial. I was yeah. in no shape or form able or willing to go and sit and talk to anybody about it, right? That was like my protection mechanism. That didn't happen. I'm just going to ignore it and it's going to go away. So I did go to therapy a couple of times and it didn't work, which made me feel like I was so broken. Even the people that are supposed to fix me couldn't fix me, right? It just compounded my victimization, right? Right. So when I started my journey, I had books and I'd read the books. I'd have a revelation. And like many people, most of those revelations would just get tossed to the side with the book. I wouldn't implement a lot of it, right? Mm -hmm. Until I'd get to a stage when I was ready. And, right. you know, you can't make that happen. But because I didn't have any kind of support, like coaches or, you know, anything else, any other type of therapy that I could try, for example, or even just access to other people that you could get on and have a conversation like this and be like, look, how I'm feeling is not just with me. Other people that have gone through similar things have these feelings too, yeah. right? There's there's nothing wrong with me for feeling this way. There's, you know, that just didn't, it wasn't available at that mm -hmm. time, which made my process very long. And I think if I would have known as again, being in your early 20s, right? You want everything like right now, right? Exactly. When I made the decision that, yeah, I was going to make some changes and I was going to get over the resentment that I had that somebody else did this to me and now I'm the one that has to do the work to give myself the life that I deserve. Once I got over that resentment, it was like, well, I just expected to open the door, walk through, and there the new me would be. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> made the decision like that's all it takes right? right so i think definitely i am very glad that i didn't know that this was going to be a two decade long process <laughs> for me to find my way here because <laughs> i don't i'm not sure certain i would have done it let me ask you this because you said something at the beginning of that that just you know you've yeah. been through two decades of this you started when there was no internet there were mm -hmm. no coaches I mean, I, I know, I remember that process and I was just like, yeah. okay, I'll read the books, but I'm not going to talk to anybody because that's just not going to happen. Exactly. But now you're at the process point where, you know, all of these things exist. Once the internet came to be a more prevalent thing and the more help was available, did you find that your transformation was faster Yeah. or did you find that sometimes you get caught up in all the information that's out there. Yeah, no, I am um, very early on in my my process, like when I was saying about listen, you know, mm -hmm. listen to, to what yourself is trying to show you. Um, very early on in this process, I took a, a role of surrender. 
where I surrendered to what was coming to me and had faith in myself that as things came to me, they would be the things that I would need to take action on. And so I don't like, I don't follow on social media, other people that are in the victimization phase of their journey. So none of that comes smack in my face. It does with my clients, obviously, because a lot of them are in that phase. But for me, in my process now, it doesn't matter where I am now. It doesn't matter how much of that kind of Mm -hmm. reminder um, comes at me because I'm not there anymore, right? But in that process, things like NLP and belief clearing and Reiki and, well, I made my way to Reiki well before the internet, but NLP and belief clearing, things like that that I do now just popped up and was like, oh, what's that? I've never heard of that before and listened, right? And found my way to that rather than it being me going on the internet and searching for how can I... Uh, right. I wouldn't even know what to search for. How could I be normal? Like, that's what I felt like. Right. I felt like I was totally abnormal and weird. How could, could I be normal? Could you imagine, could could you you imagine, imagine typing that in and then all the different answers that you would get? Well, exactly. Right. So I was really fortunate in that way, in that I just kind of went about with my life and paid attention when things came up. So when somebody mentioned something or I saw a television commercial, I read something in a book or whatever. These are all things that make me go, oh, what's that? And then I Google, right? What's NLP? Ooh, right? And then once I learned that, I was like, oh my gosh, these are all the same things that I've already taught myself through these books, Mm -hmm. but with strategies to actually bring somebody else through with their unconscious mind. Must learn that officially. So (laughs) where do I go and learn that, right? Like, Right, these types of things. And of course, there's lots of things along the way that when they did pop up, I went and took a look and went, no, I don't feel like I'm resonating with that. Interesting. Glad I learned, you know, what it is. See it and move it aside. Right. I like that, that you were able to distinguish between those things that were opportunities and those things that were distractions. Because yeah. sometimes opportunities yeah. distractions look like really good opportunities. They do. They so do. <laughs> it's so easy. Um, can you tell us about your book? Like, what's the name of it? Where can we get it? Oh, yeah. I'll show you. I've got a copy here. It's called Survivor to Warrior. Yay, you can change your life. That's, that's supposed to be little girl me, and that's supposed to be me now, the warrior, bringing her through the gateway. Um, and so it is not a book about abuse, although I do start out with, for context, about my abusive childhood, so people understand as they break their way through the book and all of the strategies that I implemented and lessons that I learned along the way in my recovery they right. can understand, you know, just how profound those were and, and what the kind of recovery it has been. Um, but other than that first chapter of outlining what type of abuse we're talking about, um, the whole rest of the book is about how I became the warrior, right? How abuse no longer is my story, right? The warrior is my story. I love that. Why do you choose the term warrior? Um, I think, you know, sometimes... Uh, people look at warrior and think, oh my gosh, you're constantly in a battle. You're constantly fighting, right? Mm -hmm. And I I totally understand that, but that's not what resonates with me with warrior. Warrior to me is that person that stands tall in their own skin, 
right? A warrior to me is the one who loves themselves, respects themselves, accepts themselves, not just now, but can look back in the past and say, I love her. She did the absolute best that she could, right? Grace to her. I send her all of my love right? Instead of the judging and instead of the comparing and instead of all the hate that we send to ourselves all the time, mm -hmm. the warrior is the one that says, I don't care. I don't care that I did all of those things. I love me for who I am and what I felt I needed to do at that time. And I understand her and love her. <laughs> That's awesome. I like that. Um, because I do know that a lot of people feel that that battle that tension but i can see like when you say it you have this piece about you so it's like there's something different there i just needed to know what it was <laughs> it's love it is yeah. love okay so you have a three-day master class yes, um I do can you tell us what that's all about yeah, so I developed a, a program that is uh, a year long. It's literally a six month program that I, I allow people to stay in for a full year so they can run through it twice. Um, but for something that is that big of a commitment, you know, you need to kind of know what you're getting into and see if that resonates for you. So that's the idea with the three day masterclass. There's too much to kind of introduce you to in a one hour or even a three hour masterclass, right? So it's a three day yeah. masterclass for a couple of hours each day or you know, a few hours each day. And what we do is we delve into some of the major components of starting to shift your perspective on how you see yourself. So for example, one of the things that we look at is your cycle. Something as simple as it has absolutely nothing to do with your abuse or any past trauma or any past at all. It is literally your own menstrual cycle. And if you no longer have a cycle or you're a man, we look at the moon cycle. They're yeah. the same. They have four, four patterns or four phases within that, that month. And in each phase, you have a different mood. You have a different food craving, a different type of exercise that you resonate with, right? You have a different level of productivity. You have a different level of socializing that you want to do, right? And it's about learning what your cycle is, where you're at in your cycle, so that then you can better plan your life so that you don't set yourself up for these times when you make a commitment. I mean, I'm going to do this social thing because you're planning it when you feel social. And then when the thing comes, because it's a week or two later, you're like, oh, no, I'm letting everybody down. I just don't feel like it. And you end up canceling, right? Instead of doing that, you can learn how to honor yourself and set yourself up for respecting and accepting where you are now, which allows you to love yourself, right? So it's about learning to do all of that. Like, you know, New Year's resolutions now, how many people are planning on better lifestyle habits, wanting to lose weight or at least change their diet, add more exercise. And most times people just assume that when you don't keep up with this, you're lazy, right? That That's the mental chatter that we start to say to ourselves. Lazy, I can never keep up with anything. Oh, you know, I'm so stupid. How did I, like all of this kind of stuff, that's not what love looks like. Right. Right. What love looks like is you realizing, well, I'm trying to eat the same diet all month long. When in my cycle, I'm going to have a week where I'm going to want more grains, and I'm going to have a week where I'm going to want more fruit. So yeah. 
how about I take that diet and I plan it accordingly so that I'm still on this new healthy lifestyle kick that I've decided to be on, but I'm giving myself the best opportunity so that then I can be like, I see you. I see what you've done there. <laughs> Look at you doing this, right? You raise your confidence, you raise your level of pride in yourself, and you raise your acceptance and respect and love of yourself, right? Something that simple. Nice. Yeah, right? And it has nothing to do with your past. You don't have to worry about triggering yourself with anything, right? Reliving right. anything, being emotional, anything at all. It's a nice, easy kind of intro to, wait a second, I can just set myself up for success here in a really simple way. That sounds really, <laughs> really simple. <laughs> this is the perfect time of the year, it seems, to start something like that. Because it's easy enough that you can adjust it with the flow of things without yeah. having to make a full on commitment. But once you get into the pattern of, you know, the four weeks, you're already in there. Exactly. Exactly. It takes a while because it's habit, right? All habits right. take a while to implement. But once you figure it out where you are in this cycle, yes, it's going to be work for probably the first two months to kind of really track where you are and be like, yeah, I'm definitely in this phase. I'm going to honor myself and do this and this. But once you start to get used to that, it becomes more about just listening to yourself. So if you wake up that day and you're like, oh, I'm supposed to do heavy weights, but I feel like yoga. Well, then it doesn't matter where you are in your cycle. Listen, do yeah. yoga, right? Exactly. Who cares? Do what your body is telling you to do, right? She knows best. So it's setting you up to listen. That's perfect. Okay, so where else can everybody find you? So the best place is to either find me on social media on Instagram, uh, which is life like you mean it with a little underscore between each. Or to be honest, I'm the only Lisa Spaniak on the planet. So if you go on Instagram and you just put in Lisa Spaniak, it will come up. Um, but also you could just head over to my website because links to all my social media are there as well. So it's lifelikeunit.com. Perfect. So I will make sure that all of this is in the show notes. Lisa, thank you so much for joining me. It was amazing talking to you today. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from Permission to Leap, go to permissiontoleap.com and subscribe to our email list. When you do, we'll send you a digital leap guide. Thanks again and talk to you next time.